Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Welcome, everyone, and happy October. Um, I'm actually posting this episode from Mount Baker up in Washington. I had the absolute honor of performing one of my oldest friend's weddings this weekend. Um, It felt like seeing the green flash. Okay, so do you know what that is? It's the thing they tell you to watch for when the sun is setting into the ocean. There is supposed to be this like mystical moment when the sun dips just below the horizon and there's this green flash. I don't know, okay, if this is just lore or whatnot. I've never seen one, but people swear they have. So regardless, you know, I always look to see if maybe this sunset will be the one. And the wedding felt like seeing a green flash. Mystical, sacred, a moment you had to be there and see in order to fully appreciate or understand. It's something that not everyone gets to experience or behold, but the ones who do feel like something bigger than them maybe just winked at them. It was beautiful. It was freezing, okay, but it was beautiful. Uh, we hiked up the side of this mountain area in between two huge mountains, Mount Banker, and I'm going to butcher this, but Mount like Suskin or something. <laughs> um, and we hosted the wedding in the on golden hour, like right as the sun was going down. And it just, I don't know, it was, it was radical. It was like such a mixture of like softness as we're doing this wedding, like in the midst of such wild ruggedness. It was incredible. Such a beautiful wedding. Um, I love thinking about love and about what is in front of them as they take on forever. I've, we just celebrated nine years and I think, man, it is going to be so good for them and they don't even know it yet. I think that's what I think when I go to weddings, like, oh man, like you're doing your vows and you're promising each other all these things, but it is just going to get richer. It's just going to get deeper. You're going to mean those vows in a hundred different ways. Like it's just, I don't know, I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. So I'm bursting with excitement and anticipation for them. So cheers, my friends. Um, okay, also, I'm doing this month-long celebration right now on Instagram. I'm celebrating vulnerability and showing up and challenging myself to post something each day. And I'm going to tell you that I am terrible at Instagram, and I mean it. Most of the time, I forget about it, and then I feel like I should say something Um, But then I care more about the words than the image. And this is the actual opposite of Instagram, right? (laughs) Like it's literally like the pictures in squares. Um, So it's a little bit awkward, this relationship that I have with Instagram. Uh, The month of October happens to be my birthday month. And I used to dread this month. Like as soon as the season started changing, I could feel fall was in the air. I feel that part of my spirit used to just like dip Um, I would feel each season this sense of like depression looming, of just dark coming my direction. I hated when my birthday came around, the actual day of. 
and, and it's not like the getting older thing. Like I actually, I love getting older because I feel like I have like earned all of my years. I just don't know what to do when someone like wants to celebrate a day that I wish like never even existed. And so I've been on this journey, like inward, onward, and I decided that, you know what, forget it. Like this year, instead of feeling like, oh God, here it comes again, I'm going to like turn that shit around and celebrate this month all month long by showing up and existing on purpose. Um, It is like define the old stuff that makes me want to shrink and fade away and disappear. It, I used to just want to like be invisible or, or feel like maybe if no one saw me that I'd be safer, Right. And so I'm trying to flip the script on my stuff, and that means letting myself be seen. And it is uncomfortable. <laughs> like I'm, ah, it is uncomfortable. I keep thinking, okay, am I, I going to put this picture up, or should I choose this picture? Well, does that picture more true, or is that picture more true? So I'm already going through like all these like mental Olympics of trying to just do it, just show up, just push share, just whatever. I mean, not and not to overthink it, but to practice, just like the whatever of it. Um, I don't like being in front of the camera. And I'm, I think this is a typical experience, but I would so much rather share my vulnerability like this way, like behind a podcast. Um, so it's a total challenge to see myself and to let myself be seen. And also I realize that I am totally overanalyzing this, um, but I'm a therapist, <laughs> so that's okay. Um, you can check it out on Instagram at Elise Snipes underscore collective. Um, but for today, I am in the spirit of vulnerability. I'm going to let you know about my guilty pleasure <laughs> and don't go there. It's not, it's not sick one. It's a guilty one. I love this guilty pleasure so much. I love thinking about it anticipating it, remembering previous experiences and stories of it, imagining future ones. I, I daydream about this. I love the risk involved, the trust, the whole thing. You guys, I love hitchhiking. <laughs> I am not kidding. I love hitchhiking, both as the passenger and the person picking up. So growing up, my dad would pick up hitchhikers around town and they're usually people he knew a lot of like leftover like hippies and burnouts in Laguna Beach and in Laguna like during the 70s like there's a huge influx of people that created like this super cute like artist colony like by the sea Um, and it but it gathered a lot of people who were living this counterculture life and so now like by this time in the 80s I think there's just a lot of drifters that were still left and my dad, of course, knew, knew them <laughs> naturally. So um, we would pick up people and drive them across town, um, let them hitch a ride in whatever direction we were going. And one of those days we picked up like this youngish man. And it's my first memory of picking up a hitchhiker. And my dad saw him on the side of the road and looked over and it's like, oh, okay. Oh, you know, that's my, it's my friend's kid or whatnot. And I'm like, oh, okay. So there's some context, right? For picking up a stranger. And so he gets in the car and he has on this super bright tie-dye shirt on. And I know that that's cliche now, but then I was like, wow, look at how beautiful these colors are. Like I just, everything about him was like um, electric. He had the super long hair that hadn't been washed. And I remember that this stood out to me the most because I had long hair 
And my mom would use this Johnson and Johnson's like detangler. It's, it's like no more tears or whatever it was. Tangler detangler, tang, whatever it just She used it. The smell of it brings me back. And she'd have to brush and brush and brush all these knots out. And I looked at his knots. And as this kid, I remember thinking like, I wonder why his mom doesn't use that stuff. Like maybe she doesn't know about it. Maybe she, I should tell him about it. Um, I just remember trying to maybe like see the, the similarities in us. And so the, the hair, um, trying to, to bridge and maybe form some way of understanding this new person in our car. Um, he sm- I remember he smelled funny and the way it smells like now, it's like that idea of like overripe earth, like um, just f- <laughs> fertile in some way. I don't know. It was just, it was a smell <laughs> that was distinct. Um, and we drove him to the next town and my dad and him were catching up and my dad knew his parents and blah, blah, blah. And so he turns around and asked me my name. And so I told him and he shook my hand and let me know his name. Arrow Rainbow. I'm not joking you. His name was Arrow Rainbow. <laughs> I I know I had troll dolls named that. And so obviously I was not going to forget it. But I just remember thinking like, this is a magical human being that is sitting here with me. And we lived, and uh, we were living in Laguna Beach during this time. And so there was this other man, he was called the Greeter. And his soul like existence is he would wave to people coming in and out of town and so he was a person we would pick up pretty frequently um not someone that my dad knew personally but kind of like the whole town embraced that everybody knew who he was and so again he kind of fell into this category of someone that we help or someone that we give a ride to and so this introduction to this idea of picking up people felt like it, it set my curiosity on fire I'm already a curious person but this was like oh, this is excellent. <laughs> um, so we would pick up the griever, greeter. Our favorite thing when we'd be in, my, my dad had this old um, Volvo sedan that ended up being my first car, but then it was already old and we would honk at the greeter and all we wanted him to do was wave at us. And there was something about collecting like these wanderers that made me fascinated by like the potential for difference right? I mean, I was young at this time. This is like pre-kindergarten. And so there's this idea like, oh, everybody that I know is like homogenous. Like we look this way, talk this way, we smell this way, our hair looks this way. And so then all of a sudden, like the people that would get in our car were like in very distinct from my experience. And so I just remember thinking like, whoa, who else is out there? Like who else can we pick up and put in this car? I was hooked. By the time I got my driver's license, we'd moved a little farther south um, and there weren't as many people like thumbing rides. And also by the time I was 16, of course, I'd heard like all the stories and like stranger danger and all that good stuff. But um, I don't know that it totally mattered to me. Like I remember always being on the lookout to see like, oh, maybe I can give that person a ride or, or who needs to ride home from the bus stop. And I ended up in college, I know I've talked about this here before, but I spent um, a semester abroad in Thailand and then stayed for the rest of the summer. My brother came and met me and we spent like the rest of that summer hitchhiking all over Southeast Asia. So we started in the north of Thailand and just hitched a ride all the way to the southern tip. We then flew over to Japan and did the same thing there. We started in Tokyo and hitchhiked a little bit north and then traverse the entire country just hitchhiking. Um, 
I'm not joking you, dream. My dream, like absolutely 100% came true. This, it was like everything. Um, the thing about hitchhiking in another country is that it it really is something altogether. For one, like there's the language barrier. It's not like I can, we didn't, I spoke a little Thai, um, and my brother spoke a little Japanese and by Japanese, like a little, I mean, he could count to like 10 and say hello. So I don't know that really counts. Um, the fact that we were so obviously out of place, I think was also a a detour or deterred our progress. Um, we had backpacks. Um, most people ride mopeds in Asia in the color of our skin, the fact that we were taller than everyone, um, the fact that we were traveling together, there, it was a different like mixture, I think, like trying to hitchhike around that, around those countries. Um, I loved the thrill of the waiting. So anticipating like who was going to pick us up and what was it going to be like and how far would they take us and what would it be? I don't know again I told you I love this I love this so much so my brother didn't love it as much uh, he preferred like the obvious methods of transportation like buses and trains and taxis right like the guarantees in retrospect I think this is one of the reasons why we were so good for each other like I could take him on an adventure and he could convince me that we like absolutely needed to find a hostel rather than sleeping outside. Um, it was in an, it was a magical time, what we were able to do over there. But there was this one moment where we were in Japan, and we had just finished hiking, um, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, come on, Chase, let's just go for it. We already missed the bus. We might as well just hitchhike. So I convinced him to see if we can thumb a ride. And there was this gal who picked us up. She had her mom in the car. She was wearing little white driving gloves. He's like the huge kind of stereotypical visor with the glasses, the sun protection, the whole nine. And the only words that we could really say was like the name of the town we were going. And so we kind of gave her the destination where we were trying to get to, which was literally across the entire island of Japan, like straight across so the weird thing is, it just so happens that that's where she was from and where she was headed. And we're like, come on. So this lady picks us up and we try to talk as much as we can. Um, she knows a little bit of English and again, we can count to 10. <laughs> so we exchange stories. She did not only want to take us to Miyako, she wanted to show us like her favorite spots along the way. So we'd get to a, a temple or somewhere that was symbolic to her. And so we'd get out of the car. Then she wanted to like take our picture while we were there. Um, she wanted to buy us ice cream at these different places. Um, she, she wanted to show off her country. It, it, there could not have been a better person to pick us up. So we drove all day with this sweet woman and her mom. I'm sure we scared the hell out of her mom. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it was the generosity, the safety, um, the compassion that Japan had on us as foreigners, as travelers, and blew me away. We got to learn about her son who was studying in the United States. We just, I don't know, it was like this really cool exchange that might never have happened if we wouldn't have been up there sticking our thumbs out. Um, a month after we got home, we got this package in the mail and it was from her we gave her our address thinking it was pretty harmless and she, right? I don't know. Maybe not so much today, but she sent us all the pictures we had taken, letters, and this this Japanese calendar. And we were blown away. Like this lady who picked up these super strange strangers and then treated us like we were family. The 
this other moment when we were over there, um, we had decided, okay, let's just take the bus, right? Like, we're going to take the bus. We're going to do this. So we take the bus. We get there. We miss our connection. And so I'm like, well, just whatever. Let's just sleep at the bus stop. Like, it's totally fine. And my brother, again, is like, oh, my God, I'm never traveling with you again. So there's this most adorable Japanese hip-hop group, and they are practicing at the bus stop. And so we're rolling out our pads, and they're, like, doing their thing in the corner. And as we, like, lay down, thinking, okay, it's probably time. We'll just hit it. We'll wait for the bus that comes in the morning. This guy walks over from the hip-hop group and is asking us in our broken translations if this is where we're sleeping. And we're like, yeah, this is where we're sleeping. We're going to catch our bus. And so he's like, no, absolutely not. You have to come with me. So I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> this is amazing. Let's go. Um, and my brother, like, warily is like, oh, my God, I can't. We're going home with a stranger. I'm like, yeah, we're going home with a stranger. So we follow him to his house. They give us this extra room. They make us dinner. They make us breakfast. The next day, they pack us lunches for us to take with us. And it, again, I'm like, how trusting, how open the people that kind of picked us up and took us along and part of their journey and along the way and just really extended themselves to us. It it kind of folded something into me, like this idea of, I have not been treated or trusted like this in my own country. I, it, it just, it made me realize that when I go home, like I want to extend this openness to, to, to the others, to other people, to people that I, that maybe aren't as trusted that we've been taught to be wary of. And again, I know you're probably thinking, Elise, this is super naive. You were probably really young. Yes. All those things are true, but isn't this still true too? So when I got home, I was super disoriented and in so much reverse culture shock. It's not even funny. I wanted to hitchhike everywhere and no one would pick me up. I'm not, you guys, I was like a 20, 21 year old girl. No one would pick me up. <laughs> I remember talking to Jesse, who's my, my now husband, but my then friend. And he had just gotten home from a year in the Dominican Republic. And we were talking about like, how much there was here and how we should just ride public transport and sell our cars and all our extra clothes. Um, you guys, we were in so much pain coming home and had no idea what to do. And so he knew about my hitchhiking thing then. And even though he wasn't like my actual boyfriend, I know that he cared for me in like this protective way. So he did not want me to hitchhike everywhere. So fast forward, okay, we, of course, you know, we fall in love, get married, have kids. And one of the first things that Jesse says to me when we have our babies is, Elise, would you please promise me that you're not going to up, pick up hitchhikers when you have the kids in the car? <laughs> and I will tell you, I have followed that except for one time. And it's because it was someone that I knew. And so I totally justified the fact that I could pick up this hitchhiker. Um, but I just, I love it. I love hitchhiking so much. And I don't even care if I'm the one hitching the ride or picking someone up. I cannot wait to meet the other person, to find out what they're about, where they're going, what got them to hear, all of it. I love it. I'm, ad I'm addicted to it. So this week, I was working um, in my trailer with this most beautiful soul, okay? And one of the therapeutic concepts that we have been working on is this idea of integration, and also this idea of inner child work, okay? These are like buzz things in psychology, but let me break it down like this. Some old wounds, some right now walls, 
And theoretically, there are these different versions of ourselves within us. Okay, so I do not mean like multiple personalities, but it is like these like fractured or compartmentalized selves who sometimes like get left behind in childhood um, due to previous experiences. Okay, so let me let me explain it like this. Um, We are born a certain way and we are lacking imprint, which means that we can enter into relationship with ourselves, with others and with the world in freedom in innocence, in purity, which is why we can shamelessly say, watch me, look at me, see me, tell me I did a good job, tell me that I'm beautiful, tell me that there's something we're seeing here. Um, we, We were born to enter into this world expecting like positive, loving feedback, which is why it's so natural for us to seek it and want to like move towards it, okay? So being these selves, we then begin this process of being imprinted by our family, um, by friends, by sports experiences, teachers, and so on. If we feel at some moment, a moment of pain, whether that be emotional or physical, we begin to morph ourselves. So if that thing we were expected to do didn't go well, we struck out, we failed, whatever it was, we begin to start to cover that part of ourselves up. I'm not going to offer myself as freely. I'm not going to be as vulnerable. This is a subconscious process, okay? It's not like we are consciously at five saying, I will never do ballet again because they told me I should do tumble instead. True story, that actually was my story. They told me that I was not cut out for ballet. Um, I don't blame them, but it hurt my feelings. (laughs) So when, when we are told these things from the world, we start to clip ourselves, okay? Tighten in here pull back there, we contort, um, we fold ourselves into a way that we can have more pleasure, which is positive feedback and less pain. So we might bury the five-year-old ballerina. We might um, cut off or separate um, the kid who loved poetry but was told that that was feminine. Um, We contort ourselves do you hear it like think about what it was for you okay and those are just the normal things right like those are like the things we expect in this world a little bit like some of the tough stuff but what about the stuff when it's like oh no no you have actual messages that have been delivered to you by your family toughen up big girls don't cry Uh, don't tell anyone what about if there's actual trauma or abuse of some way then we really start to shut ourselves down um realize that we can't be vocal or we can't, you know, whatever, whatever the family rules that are for you, we start to leave behind these versions of ourselves, a five-year-old version, an eight-year-old version, a 10-year-old version, 12 years old. Think back on your own timeline, how you began to ditch part of yourselves as a result of some form of like, oh, it's not good or safe for me to put myself out here in this way. Therefore, I will seek the safety of camouflage, the safety of fitting in, the safety of um, being just right so the world will accept me, okay? So again, there's this idea that there are these split-off parts, these split-off versions that are typically stuck in some form or age, which is why when we feel triggered, um, we can actually feel like we are eight years old again, 10 years old, 12 years old. We just like tap right back in to that time. So we 
I don't know, like we, we, we clip those things, they're left there. And then in the work of therapy, what I want to do is to help people begin to learn to pick up all those fragments, all those selves. We want to identify what those versions were and are, what the pieces were, what the messages were, what the fragments were, give them a voice, bring them out of hiding, and integrate them back into our right now selves. And we, can, we do that through this like reparenting. We do that through compassion and grace. Okay, I want you to keep going with me. It's like driving through town and picking up all the hitchhikers and learning their stories and taking them where they need to go. It's stopping to let them in and take them home. It is seeing the wanderer that is ourself and learning their name. So hitchhiking, inner child work, it's the same thing. Are there versions of you abandoned on the side of the road? Are there parts of you left in your childhood that you need to turn the car around, go back and pick up? What do you need to reclaim? How old are those parts? Okay, pick them up. Fill up your whole car. Take them along for the ride. Get to know them. Make room for them. Become your whole self. You are amazing and you're going to see it too. Um, people, I remember people, people saying like, okay, like in your 20s, it's blah, blah, blah. But in your 30s, like there's freedom and you settle into yourself. I think that it's, it's similar to that, like that feeling of it doesn't matter because it's not like the cool girls are going to hate you if you do that thing anymore. <laughs> it's like there's a freedom that it doesn't matter what other people think. You have that, but within yourself. You have that non-judgmental approach to yourself where you stop critiquing yourself for being like too loud or, or too quiet or too this or too that. I'm too guarded. I'm too whatever, right? When you feel simultaneously too much and not enough, it is because you have not yet found out how to live out of all the parts of you in an integrated way. The work of integration is one of process, not progress. It is one that you literally do. You just need to pick up the people that you've left along the road and make room for them. It happens over time. Giving the eight-year-old a voice that didn't have one allows that eight-year-old to grow up within us and have a voice. So the part of us now at 32, 33 that are thinking like, God, I still don't use my voice. It's like, yeah, because at what point at eight years old did you feel like it's not safe for me to do that? And so we just stopped doing it and didn't realize that we never picked up that girl again. And we need to because we need to use our voice and we can now because we're adults. And that's why inner child work is so important because every one of us had to endure things. Every one of us had to escape things. Every one of us has had to outgrow things. And for the most part, I hope that we are now in a safer environment or now in an environment where we can thrive. And if that's the case, we got to go back and figure out, well, what rules am I still following from my previous environment? Like, what are the things I'm still living out of um, that I needed then, but now don't serve me, right? Because now I'm an adult in a totally different context, but I'm still playing by the rules of the previous game. And I'm having so much dysfunction in my right now relationships because I don't know how to do this. 
And again, it's a subconscious process. The picking up and borrowing and um, just kind of stringing along the way that we've always been into right now. So part of the work I want to just like throw out there at you guys this week is this idea of integration. I want you to do some work this week to think about um, what pieces and parts of you need to be reparented, grown up into you so that you can live whole, that you can stop judging yourself, that you can be intelligent and strong and ridiculous and brave and whatever, like whatever it is that calls to you because you are your whole self and that whole self is good. Okay, that's what I'm leaving you with this week. Experiencing the freedom and joy of being fully you. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you are interested in beginning your own work in therapy or coaching, you can go to www.elisesnipes.com. Follow me on Instagram at Elise Snipes Collective, where I will be sharing more with you throughout the week. You can get in touch with me to suggest a topic for the show or to ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered. Or just say hi by emailing me at elise at elisesnipes.com. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends.